0: Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Hope and Patience. It's fab to have you here. As you will be aware of by now, I see life in chapters, some of which are stepping stones, others of which push you to take a huge leap, even if you're a tad reluctant. Today's guest is a woman who made a leap from her life as a business criminal lawyer to become a founder of her highly acclaimed pottery business. Her ceramics have attracted the likes of Nigella Lawson, Otolenghi, Nobu, the Connaught Hotel, Michelin-starred chefs. The impressive list just goes on. Her classes have been called the best pottery classes in London and beyond by Condé Nast Traveller and her students call them a clay sanctuary. With two studios in East London, she's assisted by her team of up to 20, along with her loyal canine companion, Mr. Alfie Perkins. She is the lovely Danish ceramicist and designer, Stina Dulong, founder of Scandihoose. So time to introduce our guest. Hello, lovely Stina. (laughs) Hello there. What an introduction. Thank you. So Stina, your life, if we explore a bit of your business background, your life has been one of chapters, uh, which I obviously can identify with. What made your, you question your life direction and your why and transform you from your last chapter of the world of criminal law into ceramics and founding Scandihus?
1: God, it's a very good question. Um, and. I feel like the the more time passes, um, it's almost like the answers to this question gets more and more blurred. But I think, in essence, I was going through life almost feeling like it was happening to somebody else. And I was feeling like I was performing a role that I performed very well, but it was a role that was written for somebody else. It wasn't my place in life. So it was just this sort of constant feeling of, This ease that something wasn't quite right. Um, And and I think that it can be very, very hard to identify exactly what this feeling of something not quite being right is, because we live in a society that tells us, you know, success looks like this. and, And outwardly, you know, I was having success. I was a very successful lawyer in a good job with a good firm. And, you know, but inside it just didn't feel like that.
0: And so how did you go about it? How did this change happen? Well, so I guess,
1: you know, I was coming up the escalators every single morning at Chancery Lane, just feeling like life was closing in on me. And then as as time passed, I I think I always sort of had this feeling that, you know, once I qualify as a lawyer, it will get better, and or once I get this job, or once I get put on this case, it will get better, but it just never did. And I think I slowly started realizing, okay, this just isn't going to change unless I do something to change it. So I started saving up money. And obviously, I was very fortunate. I was in a job where I could do that. Um, And so I saved up enough money that I knew I um, didn't have to work for a year. So my initial idea was actually just to take a year out. and, And I thought, worst case scenario, I'll have to go back to being a lawyer. But then I'm not really any worse off than I am now I mean maybe I would have to take a pay cut and and career progression wise have to step back a little bit but you know so be it um yeah so that's what I did I saved up money so I knew I didn't have to work for a year and but then beyond that I actually had no idea what I really wanted to do.
0: And did you how did you get into the ceramic side of things? Well so whilst uh, this
1: whilst I was saving up money during this this period sort of lots of actually really nice uh, small changes started happening because I think that once I'd made a decision, this isn't actually my, my forever career, um, I started relaxing a bit more and, and it was like I started taking life and not least myself less seriously. And, and with that, I, I then started finding um, joy in lots of things outside of work. And one of the things I did was to sign up for evening pottery classes. Um and honestly, I turned up to my first class and the, the teacher, I was quite early, actually quite nervous because I'd never really done anything creative like that as an adult. Um so it was really out of my comfort zone, um despite having been a very creative child. Um but yeah, so the teacher placed a lump of clay in front of me and told me to wait. And before I knew it, I had stuck one finger into the clay and then it just felt so good. And then I stuck all five <laughs> fingers into the clay and um, yeah and that was it and, and the teacher actually saw it and she turned around to her assistant and went oh my god we've got another lost case here <laughs> and she, she said later on that she had recognised the look in my eyes that she had as well first time she had touched clay and it, and it was it was like a, a sense of belonging or a sense of having arrived at home
0: and no turning back so then did you set up your studio immediately and the online courses or did it all sort of just grow organically?
1: Well, so it all grew very organically, actually, because I just started attending evening classes whenever I could outside of my lawyer job. So one class a week uh, turned into two classes a week. And then, you know, um, by the time I then came to actually quitting my job, I happened to stumble across the first ever uh, UK based open access studio, which was set up. Uh, by an individual who's now a good friend of mine um, and uh, she had come back from the US where this sort of setup is very normal it's essentially like a gym so you you join as a member and then you get 15 hours a week you can come and, and use the studio for um, and this studio turning off uh, which was no doubt my career springboard um, is still is still there and is very successful now.
0: Did you have any fear, Stina, with, with doing all this? Oh,
1: God, yes. It's like I was riddled with fear. But I think the trick in life is to feel all of that fear and then do things anyway.
0: And did it, has it given you more confidence because you faced that fear?
1: <sighs> That's a good question. I think it has taught me to to, to, to be a little bit less fearful of... Of that feeling of fear, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's necessarily more confidence, but it's almost like it's learning to be okay with things being uncomfortable. And it's okay with, with sort of like learning to be okay with that in-between place.
0: Which is much needed today with the Oh horrendous lives yes. that we're now I mean, living.
1: <laughs> I know. Thank God this crisis happened to who I am now and not the lawyer me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that totally, is that the I'm really with this. So for the listeners, we're in the third UK national lockdown, and it is really stretching me beyond, sort of, it's stretching me into very uncomfortable places. And what I keep pulling on is this resilience that I learned through, having my chocolate business and the sort of shit that you're dealt basically to deal with, you know, day to day, mm, it yeah. just, you just think, come on, if I d- manage to get through that, I can manage to do this. But yeah, exactly. yeah. resilience is key. So Stina, with your um, degree and communications and sort of legal background, have they helped you uh, with elements of your business? Oh,
1: Absolutely a hundred percent. You know, there were things that when I decided to sort of start Scandi Hoos as a brand and as a business, I knew how to set up a shell company and I knew how to register it with Companies House and I knew how to do my own VAT returns. And I knew, you know, there was a lot of things that by virtue of having been a lawyer, I I, I didn't find difficult. And I also think that you learn to research things when you don't know the answer. Because I think actually looking back, a big part of being a good lawyer is knowing where to find the answers. And, and so, you know, for example, I remember that um, I didn't know how to build a website and I just sat down on a Friday night and I literally put into Google, how do you build a website? <laughs> and, and then I spent the whole weekend indoors. And by Sunday, I would built my first website um, which actually still is still very much uh, the look of the, the website that I still have. I haven't changed it much over the years. Well, it's really
0: impressive. <laughs> Did you ever see yourself running your own business? I mean, do your parents have their own businesses at all?
1: Um, yes, I, I think that very much so. Um, I have learned a lot of, about all of this from my dad Um, who he left school at a very young age I think he was 14 um, and and he was extremely dyslexic so never sort of um, did very well in school and then left and became a trainee electrician became an electrician and then I think at the age of 21 set up his own business and you know he's retired now and has sold the business but there were I, I think 50 plus employees of his business when he sold it and Yeah, so very much so. I grew up in a family where, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and business owner was,
0: was, you know, the norm, really. Does he guide you at all? Um,
1: I think he probably, I mean, he doesn't directly, but I think indirectly he does. And I think that actually also just on a more general level, both my parents have very sort of good values in life and they care a lot about people around them. And so I think it's almost in my blood that I was brought up in this way. Um, so I think a lot of what Scandihoose is, you know, a lot of, of the ethos of my business comes from my upbringing without a doubt.
0: Would you say with your business with Scandihoose, it's been a sort of journey of exploration with yourself, a sort of self discovery time too. Oh, 100%. You are, you've
1: hit the nail on the head with that um, question because that is exactly what it is. I think that when I started making ceramics, um, I started being able to sit with myself in my evening classes. Um, now I understand more about the reasons why, mm-hmm. so, you know, the mindfulness and the flow state that you enter when you uh, do crafts. But I didn't know any of this at the time. All I knew was just that I I suddenly had somewhere where I could go. And for two or three hours, I wouldn't think about work or all the drama in my life or, you know, anything. It was just me and the clay and nothing else in the world. And, you know, that is actually almost like a meditative state um, that you enter.
0: I mean, it's sort of when you move out of something, just for the listeners who might be being forced to move out of a a job or a career with the result of COVID-19, or just simply having a bit of time to think about what they'd like to do. I sort of see it, and I don't know if you see it like this too, Stina, is it's a bit like shedding a skin. It's like, you know, you you emerge out of your chrysalis. You sort of set yourself free by doing it.
1: A hundred percent. And I think very importantly when you're shedding skin it hurts it really really hurts mm. and it's uncomfortable and it and i think that one of the main things that i am learning i'd say is that to be okay with this uncomfortableness because i'm learning that that is actually where real change comes from and that without going through these processes of these sort of in between uncomfortable places you actually will never grow or, or, or move to the next stage properly, because you will always be stuck in that sort of old way of thinking or feeling and doing things.
0: It is. I mean, that is such a good point that you made, Stina. I mean, it is not as if you just set up and everything is rosy. It is <laughs> nice. really, it's really gritty. But there's something so amazing about it. And when you get those sort of good days and, and things just flow sweetly, you just think, wow, this is worth it. But it, I also think, I don't know what, what you feel, Stina, is that the growth, the individual growth that we go through running our own gigs is a big reward in life, that whole journey of it.
1: Oh, my God, yes. I I wouldn't swap it for anything in the world. I am so grateful that I have gone through all the pain that I have and all the things that have happened to me have happened to me because I I actually honestly think I'm a much nicer person for it. Um, And and I think luckily today, most days, I can look at myself in the mirror and and I like who I am because I can stand by what I do and, and who I am.
0: So, Stina, I know that in the first national lockdown, you took an incredibly resilient, positive mindset where you decided that you would take it as a sort of holiday as such. (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember how you phrased it, but that was your sort of attitude. Now we're in, as I mentioned earlier, this third national lockdown, which is pretty gruesome. How are you coping with the whole side of of your business, which is mainly online courses. I know you also make fantastic pieces as we talked about before, but how are you coping?
1: Well, so yeah, like you said, I think the first lockdown I spent about a week being in trauma, like completely wiped out. And then I decided actually I can't control this and there's nothing I can do. So I decided to what, view it as the most expensive holiday I would ever be in, um, beyond in my own home. And then (laughs) I'd say this, this lockdown, I'm actually finding a lot easier um, because I'm not scared of what the virus is anymore. We know a lot more about how it spreads and what it is. And, and I think one thing we're maybe forgetting is a little bit is all the fear we all felt mm. um, back in sort of March. And, and I don't feel that this time around. So the challenge now is a little bit more practical it's a little bit less of an emotional challenge, I feel. Um, So what we're doing is, um, as a business is that we are trying to move as much uh, stuff online as we can. So we are at the moment in the middle of... I feel a little bit like I'm starting three new businesses um, in a week. (laughs) So, (laughs) One thing we're doing is we're making clay kits that we'll be selling with air-dry clay uh, and paints that people can decorate with. And another thing we're doing is that we are having um, we're having a raffle to raise money towards rent and bills. Um, and we have already had the most incredible uh, prizes um, donated to us, including a two-night stay in Wales, um, wow. a pair of earrings. And, oh, how amazing! Like, I mean, honestly, the most amazing prizes. And obviously, all of this will take place. Um, you know to stain whales, et etc once we are allowed to mm-hmm. again but um, yeah and then uh, and we are we are going to record uh, videos for um, for online tutorials etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's lots of interesting projects in the pipeline and if I'm honest I yes it's exhausting and yes uh, it's hard that we've been shot down again but I I feel like it's what we have to do right now to protect the most vulnerable amongst us so when i view it like that then it becomes easier to go okay but then what can i do as a business owner to make sure that all my staff can keep their jobs and we can continue to pay rent and bills um and in a way maybe that's not such a a bad thing you know it's it's quite an, an exciting challenge
0: well, it sounds as if you've got it really sus. so well done. I mean, that's Thank you. amazing. So, Stina, who or what has been the greatest influence and why? I have so many
1: people who have inspired me in lots and lots of different ways, and I find it very difficult to sort of hone down on one specific person as my main influence, but I, but I think that... Um, I came across uh, the School of Life uh, some, some years ago, and, um, which was uh, part-founded by Alain Alan de Boston. Boston, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think the way he views life, some of his stuff I disagree with, but most of what he says, I re- it really resonates with me, this sort of much more grounded, realistic, and almost a little bit pessimistic sometimes approach to life. But it's, it's sort of, for me, it's, it's, what, it's about the expectations we have of what life should look like. And Eckhart Tolle as well, who's also been a great influence on yes. Jesus, the power of now, yeah. he says very similar things, that it's often the suffering that we, that we feel is caused by us having an expectation of things being different from how they are. And I think this really has been one of my greatest challenges and still continues to be, which is to enjoy life for what it is instead mm. of always sort of thinking about what I wanted it to be or what I'd imagined that it would be like. You know, it's for example, I'm 40 years old now and I have not imagined that I would be living on my own at, the, at this age. But the reality is I'm actually extremely happy with the way my life is right now, but it's just not how I had imagined that it would be. Um, and I think that... If you can learn to, to stop sort of focusing letting your brain focus on, on what you thought you wanted or what you think will make you happy, but instead actually sort of enjoy the here and now and appreciate the things that you do have, there'll be so much less suffering inside
0: of all of us. I mean that is so true. I'm 50. So a decade on from you. And I, I thought I would be married. I thought I would have children. Mm. It wasn't a priority, but I was still really open to it. I never imagined that I'd be 50 living on my own. And, you know, running yeah. my own gig and stuff. But I, I've accepted it and I have, and life can change in a sixpence anyway. So um, exactly, it, it is, it's really interesting. And, and certainly what I've learned is to allow stuff to flow. And even if it's not what you expect to flow into you, just go with it. Mm. And I think it's that thing that I'm constantly pushed back to. And I don't know if you are about trust and belief. Yeah,
1: absolutely. hundred percent. It's it's that trust and the belief and also the just sitting still with it, not always trying to manoeuvre around to change or force things that don't flow.
0: Steena, do you have that sort of negative internal monologue ever, that inner critic saying you should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that? And if you do, how how, how do you sort (laughs) of live with it? What do you do?
1: So, uh, yes, I very much have that uh, voice. It's a lot more quiet these days than it used to be. Um, and I, I am, I'm particularly fond of, um, of the way that, uh, um, what's his name? Mo Goddard, who was mm-hmm. on how to fail with Elizabeth Day. Uh, yeah, he, fantastic. In, uh, in, in that particular podcast episode, he tells us how he calls his, that part of his brain for Becky, um. Uh, And, and it's sort of his, Becky was apparently somebody, you know, in his, uh, for the listener who hasn't listened to this, it's, it's somebody in his class who was very uh, nasty in his school class and would just go up to him and say all these like horrible things. And then, so he now sort of identified that voice inside his own head as Becky. And, and I think personifying it really helps. Um, I've later on come across other uh, writers as well who, who do the same. So Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, she calls her voice for Nigel, <laughs> which I think <laughs> is, is quite a good name. It's sort of like Nigel. <laughs> and, um, and, and I do the same. It's like I now, I now recognize the voice for what it is and then I tell it to ease off. And I've become much better at at, at allowing myself these days where I don't perform 100% and, in fact, you know, allowing myself days where I just want to hide under the duvet for an extra hour um, and, and allowing these days where I just need to rest and, and recognising that in doing that, I am actually much more productive than the other days.
0: Are you someone, Stina, who dwells on things, who sort of ruminates? No i'm I'm actually really
1: not, and I think this is my saving grace. i I'm quite quick to react to things. Well, maybe I'm getting better at that too. And I think meditation and yoga is really helping me with not being so reactive. but I do I feel things very quickly, and then I also get over them very quickly. And so I'm quite quick to sort of just move on. And I think maybe this has also been key for me in the success of Scandi Horse is that, if something hasn't quite worked out, then I've just accepted it and then moved on to something else.
0: Yeah, I mean, that must be a huge strength.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's... In, in this context, yes. Maybe in other things in life, it's not the greatest, but...
0: Has anything slipped by you in life um, that you sort of regret?
1: Uh, well, I'm... I... I tend to try to not have regrets because I think that, you know, we, we have a tendency, I think, of looking back at things going, oh, I wasted this amount of years on this, or the, like, I remember when I quit my lawyer job, my, my, my brother said to me, are you just going to waste all those years you studied and all that money? <laughs> and it's like, and I didn't really view it like that. I do not think you know, in a way I was like, yeah, goddamn God I am because then I can live a new life. But but I don't see it as wasted because I think it, it is just now part of who I am and it's part of my story. And so I think in terms of, I feel like there's still room for me to to achieve all the things that perhaps I still feel are in me, like um, having a family and, and, and all the sort of... So I I think, no, I I don't really, I don't think regrets are very helpful, really.
0: No, I I think that we just have to accept life. So quick fire round before we head into a very, very exciting chocolate break, (laughs) which I can't wait for. Optimist or pessimist? Optimist. Introvert, extrovert, ambivert? Ambivert. Perfectionist, non-perfectionist? Definitely a perfectionist. Early bird, Night owl. Uh, I want to say early bird, but I'm such a light owl. There you go. Okay, so now we are going on a chocolate exploration and it's the Danish chocolate exploration. And that's why I am so excited because I haven't (laughs) tried this chocolate before. And I got this chocolate just for a little thing from um, Scandi Kitchen, which you can buy online and you can, if you're around Great Titchfield Street, I think it's Great Titchfield Street, you can go in and buy. It's really fab company but anyway we have tom's or well, i have tom's gold bar which is milk chocolate actually i'm not even going to do the pronunciation <laughs> milk chocolate with rum cream caramel so Stina, tell us why this chocolate and i'm going to tuck in so do tuck in too. join me
1: i will do so
0: um i picked this
1: chocolate because it just reminds me of childhood And um, it is a chocolate that my godmother would always bring to our house um, around Christmas uh, when I was growing up. And yeah, and I think it's just, it's sort of, um, it's just like whenever I take a mouthful of this, it it really reminds me of home and of childhood uh, sweetness. And um, my mum over the Christmas now because of course I couldn't go home for Christmas like mm. so many other people my mum sent over a little box of uh, of Christmas treats and in that box were some of these um chops uh, skill pillar
0: <laughs> oh how wonderful because they I mean it's really yummy just for the listeners it's thick milk chocolate which is not sweet mm. it's not sickly and then you get this little sort of runny caramel of you know rum and cream and highly mm. recommended Wow. Thank you for introducing me to that, Christina. <laughs> that is a real My treat. Mm. So back to work, back to work. What are your thoughts on the words success and failure? Mm,
1: so I am a great believer that failure is just part of life. And I think that what success means to me has changed a lot over the years. When I was younger, Success to me looked like having a good job as a lawyer. I mean, being a lawyer in the first place, having a good salary, living in a nice house and wearing cool outfits. And, you know, the success was sort of this outward thing. And I think now success to me looks a lot more like having time to go for a forest walk in the morning before I go to the studios. It looks a lot more like having chickens in my garden um, you know, eating my own eggs from them. And yeah, I think this notion of what success is has really changed for me. And I have stepped off this corporate capitalist ladder for sure. Um, and I think for me, not being stressed all the time and actually having time to be present with the people around me, that's success.
0: And your definition has changed because of Scandihus, is that
1: why? 100 percent but I I do think that part of this this ease that I was feeling when I was uh, younger and in my lawyer job part of that was this it was it was this thing that everybody was telling me you're so successful and yet I didn't feel successful I didn't feel like that was that was success and so I think what I did in quitting and and in finding a new path was that I created what to me, is a successful life. And failure, Stina? Well, um, I think I'm a big fan of, uh, again, I, I mentioned it already, but the, the podcast How to Fail, because I, I think failure is actually great, and my failures very much so have very often uh, led to successes. Because, you know, in a way, I failed to be a lawyer because I, I couldn't continue doing it. It was slowly killing me inside And so the very fact that I failed at that then opened up the door for me to do what I do now.
0: And for any listeners who haven't listened to the podcast Stina is referring to, How to Fail by Elizabeth Day, it is a must to listen to. So do um, find that and download it. So moving on to your well-being side, Stina, how important is it incorporating well-being into your day? Really, really, really important.
1: Um, I think that it's another thing I've learned over the years is I think self care for me used to be something where I would take a break away from my life, basically, because my life was unmanageable um, to do self care. So you know, it, it was in and often self-care was things I was I would purchase, you know, it was like a salt bath or a day at the spa. Or, yeah. And whereas exactly. Whereas I think actually I I now understand that living a life where you need to take a break away from it to self-care is just really unhealthy. That's that's no way to live your life. So so what I try to do now is to to sort of have a structure that is my life that includes self-care so that it doesn't become a break away from, but it just becomes part of. And sometimes self-care is really ugly. Sometimes self-care is doing my business accounts. And sometimes it's, um, you know, doing that yoga class at 7 o'clock in the morning, even though I, it's like the last thing I want to do. And I just want to eat a croissant and have coffee. <laughs> but, but you know, so I think... Um, yeah, I, it has very much changed and it's now part of part of my life in, instead of a sort of a break away
0: from my life. And I think with COVID, it's shut that thing of going out to get your massage, going out to get your facial. Mm. We have been forced to think about self-care as a sort of internal mechanism and for us to really work at looking after ourselves. Yeah, you're right.
1: Very much so. Yeah. Do you ever switch off, Stina? Yes, I do. Uh, and it's very, very important to me. So I think yoga is one place where I switch off. Um, sadly, ceramics, um, less and less so, because of course it has become my job and my profession is that classic uh, thing. But uh, my forest walks in the morning with my dog in my local woods, um, is where I switch off as well and, and I try to meditate and I'm, I'm still, I'm sad to say still don't have a regular practice but when I when I do have periods of doing it it's very very good for me <laughs>
0: It's, it's interesting when you say about the ceramics less so because a hobby has become mm. your life and your livelihood. I think that's something for anyone thinking of setting up their own gig to remember that your hobby can become, if it becomes your livelihood, it becomes slightly different. So, Stina, what triggers your stress and how does it affect you physically, mentally, spiritually? I don't
1: get so triggered anymore as I used to, but I think um, things that can still trigger me are, are other human beings' reactions to things. So, for example, if we if we receive it's, it's rare that we do, but if we do receive a complaint from a a, a student or someone who's very upset with us, that can really mm-hmm. send me sideways. Um, and I guess partly partly it's because when you run your own business it can feel very personal when you when you get criticism um, and so I must sort of I must remember that whenever it happens that I sort of ha- I have to detach a bit and go it's not personal <laughs> they're probably they're just going through something and obviously I think since COVID we've had a little bit more of this than we ever did before and I think it's it's probably a lot to do with many human beings not knowing how to sit with this pain that we were talking about earlier and so they spew it outwards as it's um and i think unfortunately a lot of businesses like us have been on the receiving end of this distress and pain that people have been feeling
0: yeah and i think it's sort of pent up and it's sort of a mix of anxiety and anger and if they can't take it out on their family who they're living with 24 7 the, if it's a course that's not delivering in the way that they'd had expectations for or whatever it is, that is going to bear the brunt. And usually I find that if one does far off at anybody, it's usually something inside ourselves rather than that person. It's just that person has become the sort of vent of it. Exactly. But, um, we,
1: we have a thing at the studio that I say to my team, and, and that is that always approach everybody with the mindset that all they need is a hog. And, and yeah. you end know, up. Gosh, that don't we need one to... now? Yeah, exactly. I see that
0: <laughs> that's top of my wish list. I saw something on Facebook, and they someone was saying, "Oh, what I'd do to lie on a beach." And I just said, "What well, I would do for a hug." I know, right? I mean, hugs are like gold dust, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Who would have known that that should become the currency
0: we all want? <laughs> yeah. So, a um, li- little bit more on your well-being, Steena. Would do you have your phone on or off at night? Off. Um, This is a
1: a new thing, and it was during lockdown that I started doing this. 10 o'clock, my phone switches off. Do you feel
0: much better for it? Oh, my God, it's it's the best,
1: yeah. And it's a setting, so it does it automatically.
0: Ah, discipline. Mm -hmm. If we sort of hop onto music and reading and all those sort of things, what music makes you feel good, and what book would you miss if it wasn't on your bookshelf?
1: Mm, Music that makes me feel good um i have a lot of music that makes me feel good but i i think um i actually i made a set of playlists for a friend of mine uh, during the first lockdown who we we basically had a telephone call every single morning where we would drink a cup of tea together and then have a catch-up just for half an hour and yeah and really and it really got both of us through the the lockdown and um and she during those calls, she sort of um, told me that she finds it very hard to express anger, and so I I made a playlist for her, uh, which was all these songs that were going to help her express some anger inside that she was feeling.
0: Wow!
1: And uh, and then these playlists sort of continued, and um, and then there were happy ones and sad ones, and I, and I'm a little bit obsessed with making playlists, so I think music just features a lot in my life, and and it, I couldn't really pick like one particular sort of scene but a, a go-to for me that always makes me feel comforted is neil young's harvest that's an album yes. that i go back what to. what an amazing i album. know again and again and again it just it never gets old
0: <laughs> okay and what book couldn't you live without on your bookshelf
1: And so I actually think I mentioned it already, but I think Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now was one Mm -hmm. of these books that smacked me in the middle of the head and has really sort of helped me change into who I am today.
0: So, Stina, with more and more people being propelled to rethink their working lives, what advice would you give to people who are now thinking of starting up their own business
1: yeah. So there's so there's so much entrepreneurial advice out there, and I think that one thing for me is the the importance for me of remembering that had it not been Hoos, it would have been something else, mm-hmm. and that there wasn't just this one thing out there for me that was the key to my happiness and my success. Um, because actually. The key to that was within myself and it, it was it was like we touched upon earlier all of this has been much more about an internal journey than in than an external one obviously I was lucky to found something that set my heart on fire like ceramics does but it could have been other things too there are other things in my life that set that set my heart on fire too like cooking or yoga and you know and so I could maybe have started a cooking school I could have Set up a Danish cafe, or I could have started a you know a yoga studio or whatever. It could have been so many other things, and I think that is remember like that is really important to remember that there's not just one thing out there that is the key to our happiness.
0: That's a really good point. I I think when you're ready, you're ready, and it will find you. Chocolate found me. I would never ever have thought of a chocolate business. So finally, Stina, where have you had to have most hope? and also dollop loads of patience in your life?
1: So hope is probably a key phrase for, so since quitting my lawyer job, I have just had this sort of sense that it will work out, things will be okay. And I think if we don't have hope, I mean, God, really, what, what are we left with? Um, but then I think particularly hope has been important again throughout this whole pandemic, um, you know, I hope that it's not always going to be like this. I hope that things will change and I hope that maybe in some ways this has been a healthy thing for, for many, many, many people and we are being asked to slow down and reassess how we are living.
0: And appreciate everybody.
1: Exactly. And appreciate all those things that a capitalist world is telling us is not important. Um, like hogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. (laughs) Um, And patience is probably uh, something I've mostly had to exercise in being a boss. So, having a team is something for me that did not, like being a manager, did not come natural to me. And it is something I've really had to learn because I think a lot of it, looking back, is to do with my innate sort of fear of not being liked. And and I think that that sometimes could cause me to not set very strong boundaries uh, around what was expected of of my staff. And and that just doesn't work. Actually, no one likes that because everything just ends up sort of like drowning in a a sea of sort of unclarity. Um, So learning, learning all of these things. Is something yeah I've had to, to 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 use a lot of patience and also because I think I'm I'm quite quick at doing things myself. It's like I like to get stuff done. It's like once I decide on something, I'll do it. And so so having the patience to allow other people to do things at their pace has been something I've also had to learn. But again, I think yoga, meditation, and all these other life changes I've made has has helped me with this.
0: So. What's in the pipeline? Where can the listeners find out more about your work and the classes that when times pick up again, they can sign up to? And also, um, would you share about the amazing um, pottery taste classes for frontline workers where we can donate £20 to give these incredibly amazing selfless souls the chance to escape into clay?
1: Um, yes. So, well, so just the first thing first. The the, the website is uh, scandihooks.co.uk, and then my Instagram account, London, is also a very good place to to sort of follow along and see some of my work and and get information about what's happening at the studio. Um, and then the. Uh, frontline worker taster class that you just mentioned is it was an idea that came in um, in a team meeting uh, the other day where it was you know it it actually has nothing to do with me it was my team that came up with this idea and they have sort of been um, the brains behind it all and I was nearly in tears when when they agreed to do this but basically every single Scandiho's teacher has agreed to donate and a couple of hours of their time to teach a class uh, for key workers who let's face it are the real heroes of this crisis and have just you can't imagine what they have endured over the last year or so um and then uh, anyone who wants to support us as a studio so we they can donate £20. And what we're doing is that we are putting that money towards rent and bills and salaries, et cetera, during this time that we are closed down. Um, and again, the information is on the website or on my Instagram account. There's a link to it there in my profile.
0: Thank you, Stina, so much for joining me on Hope and Patience and chatting. I feel that I could chat to you for days on end (laughs) quite happily. I couldn't share a cup of tea because I don't drink tea, but I could quite happily share a cup of coffee and a morning chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I have really enjoyed it. And I do feel like you're a kindred
0: spirit. (laughs) Ah, Mutual, mutual. Anyway, before I go, it's time for my book recommendation and quote for this episode. So the book is by William Fines, and it's called The Snow Geese. And this book was triggered by um, a series of hospitalizations that William went through in his mid 20s. And uh, they were followed by a long convalescence due to Crohn's disease. And Fines has a hunger for something new and the desire for the freedom to move. And this book becomes something so much more than the migration of snow geese. You've got to read it to discover it because it is just incredible. And the quote is by actually the Formula One racing driver, Sebastian Vettel. Sometimes you need to press pause. let everything sink in a huge thank you for finding the show i hope you enjoyed the chat don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode and if you're enjoying the show it would be truly fab if you could rate and review it on apple is the is the review area or better still share it with folk who may value a gem or two any book recommendations quotes, songs can be found in the show notes and on the website too Until the next time, however tough these times get, keep that very special inner sparkle you have shining. Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk, find Amelia on Facebook at Hope and Patience, or on Twitter and Instagram at Amelia underscore Rope.